Hi, welcome to Sunday Night School, where night is day, and day is night. I'm thinking about carpet right now. I'm thinking about carpet. I've never looked at carpet and had this thought before, so this is, a, this is brand new to me. I was like, oh yeah, this is fur. This is simulated fur. This stems from a bearskin rug. You know, people used to put bearskins, animal hides on their floor because it made their feet feel better. Uh, rather than standing on stone, rather than standing on a cold castle floor, or elsewhere, I mean, it wouldn't have to be a castle, but, uh, you know, people laid down animal skins to make their feet more comfortable. Warmer, something. But yeah, I was just looking at my own carpet, and it just hit me. I was like, oh yeah, this is supposed to be fur. This is like fur in some way. And we decided that rather than just having a bearskin rug, we'd have this fake fur that we spread everywhere. It covers the whole floor. And I have talked on here before about rock, and or, or about concrete, which is rock. And having the realization, oh yeah, this is rock. You know, obviously it feels that way, it looks that way. If you were to ask somebody to describe concrete in just the purest, most basic terms, they would probably say, oh yeah, it's like rock. But it's this liquid rock we spread around in these grids, and we use it for everything, and we make all kinds of shapes with it. And the main use of it seems to be, I want to get somewhere. And the best way to get there, the best way to get there over and over again without tripping, without having any problems, is to just lay down some very flat liquid rock. Uh, and so carpet is very much the same thing, where it's like, oh, it's fur. Yeah, it's fur. We're walking around fur in our houses. It's just that it's we've gotten so detached from it, and it's not real fur. But yet, if somebody were to wear a jacket or some article of clothing that was made of the same exact material as your carpet, you would be like, oh, they're wearing fake fur. So it, it's really not that hard to look down and be like, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be fur. This is supposed to be fur. Um... And with that in mind, you know, it's funny just though that we've decided rugs aren't enough. We've got to spread it throughout your entire house. And people get really opinionated and they're like, uh, I like hardwood floors. We're getting rid of all the carpet and we're going to put in hardwood floors. Which I love too. You know, I love hardwood floors actually. You know, there's a warmth to them. There's a warmth to wood. You're not standing on cold castle stone floors when you're standing on wood. And there's a reason why we don't spread that liquid rock that we love so much. There's a reason why we don't spread that around on the, the floors we live on, on a day-to-day -day basis. There's a reason why, you know, my floor isn't concrete. Although I've lived in a house, my last house did have just a concrete floor with a very thin layer of carpet over it. But there was that layer of carpet. If not, I mean, God, living on just bare concrete... Thank God for that little layer of fake fur that I could stand on. And this reminds me of a, a story, though. There's some Tibetan story about how a guy, who a nomad, was traveling around and he, he kept hurting his feet. And I, I hate these kinds of stories. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to tell it. Uh, but uh, he kept hurting his feet. It's a good story. Uh, he kept hurting his feet on thorns and rocks, sharp things. And uh, 
he was like, oh, well, I'm going to start laying down leather. I'm going to start laying down animal hide wherever I walk so that I don't have to step on these thorns and these sharp rocks. And, you know, that was helpful. He was no longer hurting his feet, but he found that it took him forever to get anywhere because he was constantly having to lay down this hide on these external things, you know, that were hurting him. And then he realized, you know, oh, I can tie this animal hide, I can tie this leather to my feet. And that way I can walk as I normally would and go wherever I want to go, you know, at the pace I want to go. And it's just on my feet. And I mean, that is a great story because it's the idea that, you know, you can't control external circumstances or you can try, but it's going to be a trying process. If you try, it's going to be trying. Who would have thought? So if you just deal with yourself, I mean, it, it's very much a, uh, you know, a story of individuation. Individuation, which sounds like it, like, a, like I don't know how to say individualization or something, but individuation is a thing too. And if it turns out I have it wrong, then it's not a thing. <laughs> if I am actually saying something wrong, it turns out it's not a thing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that is a great story. And it, it makes me think of carpet though, because it's like carpet is the place where we do spread the animal hide everywhere. It's like nobody has the illusion that you can take carpet with you everywhere you go. When people bring rugs around, it's so they can kneel on them and pray, but people don't bring rugs around. They don't, they certainly don't bring rolls of carpet. You know, if they do bring a rug with them, uh, it's, you know, not, not a, fake fur rug it's you know some sort of embroidered or whatever you know it, it's some it's a knitted i don't know what it is i don't know what i don't know how you make things um point is it's not just a hunk of carpet that people bring around them all rolled up uh, but in the house it's acceptable like and in that story i was talking about with like the the leather on the feet you know my own version of that is you know if you're going around this is the modern version where it's like you're going around and you keep like uh, stepping on things that hurt you, thorns, and, and you know, so you lay down a bunch of rubber. You lay down rubber on everything, and eventually you realize, oh, it's taken me forever to get in any, get anywhere when I'm laying down all this rubber to walk on. So I just need to get myself a pair of Nikes. You get yourself a pair of Nikes, you can walk on anything. And, uh, or as I call them, Nikes. Gotta get myself a pair of Nikes. Do people say that? You know, do people say Nikes? I feel like I've heard it. Uh, get yourself a pair of Nikes, and you can walk on anything. But that is the modern version. Get yourself a pair of Nikes. Uh, b- 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 um, there is that idea, though, where it's like, yeah, you can't control everything around you. You can't control your environment, not completely, and you might expend more energy trying to do that, and that goes for trying to change other people's minds, trying to change other people's lives. You know, the reason that's a good story, uh, because my friend Miles and I, we always joke about, people like to tell those stories like, oh, have you heard the story of the the frog and the scorpion? Like, I've heard that so many times. on podcasts and people just love it because it's a good story. It's not that it's a bad story. It's just that I've heard it so many times and there's a lot of those native creation sort of stories. Uh, I do like the tortoise and the hare. 
For whatever reason, that's an exception. I never get sick of the story of the tortoise and the hare. Not that I actually hear it that much. Not that I seek it out. Once a day, I listen to the story of the tortoise, the tortoise and the hare. Uh, but uh, for whatever reason, I accept that one. But a lot of stories, like like my friend Miles, I'll say like the crow and the. Uh, <laughs> have you heard the story of like the the crow and and the owl? You know, the crow and the monkey. There's all those sorts of stories, and I feel like that one about like putting leather on your feet is sort of like me telling one of those. But it is good because it is about controlling yourself, controlling you know that part of you that that you have authority over, and how that's a bigger statement, and and just and it's just better. It's more useful rather than trying to control other people and control the environment. Because uh, that's sort of what goes on politically and socially, and now it seems to be all anybody talks about, where it's just this desire to change people's minds, you know, or control what other people are doing and thinking. And in that way, people are laying down leather, they're laying down rubber. And that's what I'll say to people, totally out of context. Next time I see somebody try to, you know, ar- argumentatively change someone's mind, I'll say, you don't even know, you're just laying down leather, you're laying down rubber. You're laying down leather, you're laying down rubber. Well, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I feel like even out of context, those sound good, and they would they would sound right if I said them to, to somebody who was bothering somebody. You're just laying down rubber. I think it was a car metaphor. You're burning, you're just burning rubber, which is sort of what they're doing too. But, you know, just to go back to what I was saying though about how even though, yeah, everybody would understand that story and be like, yeah, you can't cover the whole world in carpet just because you like walking on carpet, but yet you can in your house and that scene is totally acceptable. You don't strap things to your shoes within your own house and that's because your house is an extension of your body. And... You know, and and it's obvious just in the sense that, you know, you don't want to feel invaded in your own home. You don't want to feel like somebody is there who you don't want to be there. And I think a great way of thinking that is like burglars. Yeah, we all understand the idea that a burglar who breaks in and steals things from you, who takes something from you, is an unwanted visitor. But somebody who comes in, and even if you knew their intention was not to take anything, let's say that somebody knew you weren't home, and they got into your house, let's say you left the door unlocked, and they walked into your house, and they just looked around for a second and walked out, and you just psychically knew they had no intention of stealing anything, no intention of doing anything nasty or dirty inside of your house, they took their shoes off when they came in, they didn't track any dirt in, they just walked into your house and looked around and left, you would still still feel just as invaded as if they were just a full-blown burglar. A full-blown burglar. You know, I knew, when you were a kid, I remember you used to, like, look through drawers, and I, I knew you stole a couple things from me of little importance, but I, I, didn't, I just didn't expect you to become a full-blown burglar. I didn't expect you to become a full-blown burglar. Um, I didn't expect you to become a full-blown burglar. Um... But just somebody who's not a full-blown burglar, and if, if you knew that they were in your house, you would feel just as invaded. You would feel just disgusting being in your own home, knowing that somebody, a stranger, walked inside. 
even if you knew they were not up to no good, they were just, maybe they had great intentions. Maybe they honestly were like, that looks like a cool house, and I want to just admire the inside, too. And they briefly admired it and left. They didn't bother you at all. I mean, they don't even have to come inside your house. If somebody even just looks through your window, you know, I'm the kind of person where, like, there's not a lot going on at the front of my house, like, there's never going to be, if, if, the, if the blinds are open in the front of my house, there's never going to be anything embarrassing to me going on. There's never going to be anything I don't want anybody to see. But if, if somebody walked up and just looked through, if they stood on my porch, which is the most uh, acceptable place for a stranger to stand, and you, you allow it, you know, even if you don't like to answer the door uh, to door-to-door salesmen or missionaries or whoever, like, you still aren't, like... I mean, most people, at least, uh, aren't going to be, like, totally upset about that. Like, you might not want to answer the door, you might be annoyed, but you're not going to think that somebody is committing a mortal sin by just standing on your porch and knocking on the door. It's a little bit invasive. I mean, a lot of, some people are more bothered by, by, uh, by it than others, but it's not illegal, But if you walk up, if somebody gets on your porch, the same place they would stand if they were knocking on your door and they just lean over and look through your window, you're going to feel almost as disturbed, maybe just as disturbed, or even more disturbed in some cases, than if they came inside. You know, it's that's just as invasive. And even if you don't have anything going on, just the idea of somebody looking in your window is enough to set you off, to make you scared. And... That's because your house is an extension of you, you know, it's, and it, because of that, it's acceptable to try to control it as much as possible. You know, people talk about like letting go, you just need to let go. And nobody would be like, oh, you know, don't worry about what's going on in the woods, just let it be. You can't control what's going on in the woods. That's another new slogan I'm going to start using. You can't control what's going on in the woods, you need to let go. Uh, you can't control what's going on in the jungle. Just let go, dude. You know, it's it's like that idea, but that doesn't apply to your house. Like, even if your friend is OCD or a clean freak or really dirty for that matter, like you might you might be a little annoyed, or you might just have some judgment of that. You might think like, oh, it's annoying how. You know, I, I always have to use a... Co- it's, it's fucking annoying how I always got to use a coaster at Mike's house. You know, it's, it's like you might feel that way or you might go over to somebody else's house. Like, By- you might go over to Byron's house and the guy's, a, you know, he's a hoarder. It's a mess. You know, there's just filth all over the place and you don't feel comfortable and it's a judgment. But you also feel like that's his right. You know, it's like, it's his right. I might not like it. I might not want to be here. But it's Byron's right. Uh, and that's a that's a, an actual law. It's called Byron's right. And uh, it's the right to just do whatever you want in your own home. Uh, and, and in that way, so we, we see houses. We see someone's house, even if they're renting to some degree. You know, the landlord might not agree. But it's like, if your friend is renting, like, you don't think... They don't they can't do that. They can't clean every surface every day. They don't own that house. He can't leave piles of, of potato chip bags in the corner for months. He doesn't own that house. You know, just the fact that someone is there and living there, you know, you think of that as a an extension of their body 
and they can kick you out in, at any time. You know, that's the thing too. It's like they can tell you you can't be there anymore, and we, you know, we accept that. We see these things as an, as an extension of ourselves, and because of that, it's not a problem if someone tries to control everything within their own house. Like I said, you might not want to be there with them if they do that, but some people, you know, do that. And uh, it's their right. It's Byron's right to control everything within your own house. Look it up on Wikipedia. Byron's right means the right to do whatever you want and control everything you want within your own house, including the temperature. You know, uh, you might not be able to control the temperature in the jungle, but you can control the temperature in your own house. You can literally put fake animal fur that's kept really short. You don't want shag carpet. Uh, this really short, trimmed animal fur across your entire floor. You can do that. You have control. But the idea is that, you know, you can't do that when you're outside of your own home. And to go back to that idea, though, of like someone looking in the window, I I don't want to lose this. You know, it's one thing if it's a stranger looking through your window. I mean, it's it feels just as invasive as if. And once again, let's say psychically, you know, let's say your psychic power, you've cultivated your psychic power, so you know what everybody in the world's intentions are at all times. You know, even then, if someone just looks through your window, you're gonna just be like, oh my god, you know, like I know this person isn't gonna break in or hurt me, and they're just curious. But suddenly, you know, it doesn't matter what intention they have. You don't want it. You don't want somebody looking through your window. But the same is true even if they're your best fucking friend. You know, if someone's your best friend and they just get on your porch and look through your window, you know, there's some friends where it would be funny. But, you know, overall, it's like even then you're going to be bothered or weirded out. You're going to remember that they did that. You know, I've never forgotten that you looked through my window one time. It's something you don't forget that somebody does. And... Uh, it's invasive, even if you know them, even if you're very close to them. And the same thing for them coming inside your house, because that's the thing, too. Like, somebody that you would trust your life with, you know, and you were, you, the type of person that you would say, you know, oh, here's where the hide a key is, you know, anytime I'm gone, feel free to come in and hang out and watch a game. Feel free to watch the TV when I'm at work or I'm not at home. You know, I don't have friends like that I would allow to do that. <laughs> but uh, a lot of people do. And uh, I know I have friends who would allow me to do that, but I wouldn't allow that. Uh, but uh, it's one of those things, though, where some people are like that. But if that person did that without you approving it, if they just came over, even if you love this person, even if they're, I mean, they could be your girlfriend, even if they did that and didn't let you know you know, you're going to be a little bothered. So it just, it shows you something about your own home and how we see our homes. And our cars are similar in that way too. And our cars are also an example of, uh, you know, we don't, we don't make rubber roads. Welcome to rubber road. Uh, no, but we don't make rubber roads. You know, we put the rubber on the tires. Although that'd be kind of cool if we made rubber roads and we just drove on metal rims. I wonder if that would work the same way. It cut down on the cost of tires. You know, it was a conspiracy by the tire industry to prevent us from having rubber roads. It was a conspiracy between the rubber industry and the concrete business. The concrete business. It was a conspiracy between them where, you know, we can't have rubber roads because we want people to keep buying tires. We want people's tires to wear out and, you know, keep them uh, on the line so we can't have rubber roads. 
and uh, we're going to make a deal with the concrete industry to allow them to make our roads, and that way they get business and we get business. It's all a conspiracy. Uh, but uh, cars are a great example, though, of like you put the rubber on the tires. You don't try to lay rubber out everywhere else. You try to lay concrete out. I feel like concrete is a form of just... Cars are an example of trying to, you know, burn the candle at both ends, actually. That's where that is. Cars are an example of, like, you put the rubber on your tires, so in that way you're taking control of your own situation, yet we also lay concrete down on everything to make it easier to drive on. So that's almost like the Tibetan nomad not only putting leather on his feet, but putting leather on everything else, too. Just leather on leather. Have you heard the Tibetan story of leather on leather? That's what, that, that's what I'm going to say to people who are trying to control other people and themselves. If I could ever catch somebody trying to change someone else's mind and their own, I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, I'm going to say, you're, what you're doing is just leather on leather. What you're doing is just uh, putting your leather shoes on a rug of leather. Oh, I know your type. I know your type. You're one of those leather on leather, which sounds like something else entirely. Leather on leather. Enough of that. Um, but yeah, it, it's worth thinking about, you know, like, are you trying to cover external surfaces? Or are you just worrying about the soles of your own feet? Are you one of these leather on leather people? Are you one of these rubber on rubber folks? Are you somebody who's trying to, you know, are you using uh, rubber shoes to walk on leather? And there's something disgusting, like beyond the fact that you don't want people to track dirt in or anything like that, there is something particularly disgusting about the feeling of tennis shoes on carpet. It's not about the dirt, although that's a, a factor, you know, you don't want to track that stuff in. Uh, it's also just about the fact that there there are some sensory experiences that are just displeasing no matter what, and I don't like the feeling of standing on carpet in shoes. I just don't like it. It doesn't feel good. Uh, I It just makes sense to take shoes off in someone's home, in my own home. Uh, and... Uh, but yeah, it's, are are you gonna are you gonna lay rubber down on everything you walk on and and then put leather on your own feet? I don't know. You can combine these things. But what we haven't gotten to so far is the idea of concrete shoes, cement shoes, as they used to say. Uh, put some cement shoes on him and, and make him walk on water. Uh, but yeah, we don't really worry too much about that. You know, if we really wanted to protect our feet, we could encase our feet in concrete. That'd be the ultimate. Concrete shoes walking on uh, concrete streets. It'd make a lot of noise. You'd really know when someone's walking down the street. Uh, and I mean, I'm the kind of person, you know, talking about all this stuff, like feeling invaded just by somebody, like sometimes even looking at your house. Uh, you know, you can keep like, taking a step back in all these examples where it's like, oh, somebody walking into your house and looking around but having no nefarious intention, that's invasive. Somebody standing on your porch and looking in the window with no nefarious intent, still invasive. Somebody walking on the sidewalk in front of your house and looking at your house, still invasive. 
And I mean, that, that's what happens. Like, I'll look out my window, and if I just see somebody walking by who's not like a middle-aged woman with a dog, I watch them for a second. And I'm not even paranoid anymore. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, I was very paranoid. Uh, and for whatever reason, I mean, and in, well into adulthood, but I'm less paranoid now than ever. I'm cautious. I'm always ready. But I wouldn't call myself paranoid. Yet if I see somebody walking by my house, they're on the sidewalk... If they have a backpack on, especially. If they have a backpack on, I'm going to be watching them for a few more seconds. Um, and uh, But for whatever reason, even that feels a little bit invasive. Especially if you don't live on a busy street. If you don't live on a street that is a major pedestrian throughway. Uh, major pedestrian... I, I happen to live on a major pedestrian throughway. Um... Or even better, if it's like somebody's walking down your street and you live on some back street and you're like, what do you think this is, a major pedestrian throughway? Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things where even somebody walking by gets a look from me. I, I want to just, I want to look out. I want to look out, keep an eye out, because there is something about your home and the feeling that your home is you. It's a part of you, just like your car is as well. Uh, and, and it's weird to think about that, where when I'm in my house, I'm thinking, you know, I, I have control of this. This is a, a, a bubble within a bubble that I have control over. And uh, if I want to, you know, if I did want to wear shoes, if I did want to wear rubber while I walked around on fake fur, I could do that because it's Byron's right. Uh, but uh, I don't. And the example I've used before, too, is just the idea that, like, if something, the idea that you don't know what's on every surface of your home, like, the idea that, like, like I've lived in places for a long time and, like, not looked in the back of a closet for six years, and uh, that's a weird thought, to not know what all is even in your house, to have forgotten what's in some corner of your house, because it's an extension of you, you know, you like to, you like to imagine you know everything that's there. You like to know, you know, what you're what you're in control over, and I think that's fine. You know, I think it's great. I mean, you should you should want to be in control of yourself. You should want to be in control of your house. Uh, but uh, there's something to be said for you know not wanting carpet everywhere you go, not wanting to lay down leather, to lay down rubber. You know, you don't need to cover every surface with something out in the world. And I feel like we have a need to do that. I feel like we have this need to try to control the jungle. To try to say, oh, that animal, that snake should be hanging over there. See that tree snake? You should be hanging over there. It'd be nice if this trail curved this way instead of that way. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if uh, this wasn't even a jungle? Hey, wouldn't it be nice if this wasn't even a jungle? Because that's eventually where you get. When you try to control everything, you eventually want to change its fundamental nature. You end up in the jungle and you start saying, well, it would be nice if it would be nice if there weren't so many bugs. It would be nice if there weren't so many poisonous snakes. It would be nice if there weren't, you know, cheetahs 
you know, chasing after me. Uh, and, and eventually you're, you just go to, I wish this wasn't even a jungle. And I mean, I feel like that's what we do with life, where it's like, we want to change what life is so much that we end up thinking in this way where it's almost like, uh, I wish this wasn't life. I wish that this was, I wish I wasn't even alive. Because I feel like that's kind of how you get to that thought. You know, obviously there are mental conditions, there are things that really wear people down, and I'm sympathetic to that. Uh, but at the same time, it's it, so much of the desire to not be alive comes from wanting to change what life is. And that doesn't mean you can't control your life. It doesn't mean you can't shape your life. Uh, it, but there is this desire to change what the entire nature of life is. And that makes people in turn not want to be alive. It's almost like they've set this standard for... It's like, oh, if, if the world can't be a utopia, I don't want to live in it. It's almost like that idea, where, where it's like, if life can't be exactly what I think it should be. And when I say life, I mean what everybody and everything is doing. Everything that can do something, life is what it is doing. And those things vary, you know, some creatures are more similar to others. But I feel like that is a good universal way of thinking about life. Everything that could be doing something, and is... You know, everything, life is always doing something. Uh, and when you start trying to, you know, tell those things that they should be a different way. And I mean, like I said, you can shape yourself. And, and by shaping yourself, you do impact life as a whole. When you change your own life, you do change the entirety of life, the wholeness of life, because you are a part of that. Uh, but when you try too hard to control other people, other things, life, when you try too hard to control life itself, which includes other living things, you know, the, the end result is you just, the, the end result is, is you no longer want to be alive. I feel like that is where a lot of people's nihilism and misery comes from, is they've change the definition of what life is because they think it should be something else. You know, they're, they're trying to say, they're in the middle of the jungle and they're saying, I wish the jungle didn't exist. And nobody ever survived living in a jungle by saying that. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free. 